This episode of The Watch is brought to you by CISO. Yep, that's right. S-E-E-S-O.com, the all-comedy, ad-free streaming TV service made for the serious comedy fan. CISO is stacked with original series, quotable classics, late-night and stand-up specials. And let me tell you, about those original series, you don't want to miss these. They have some seriously funny shit going on on CISO. Original shows like Harmon Quest with Dan Harmon. He's the guy who created Community and Rick and Morty, and the show follows Dan and his team of comedian companions uh, through the world as of fantasy role-playing. You should really just go see it at CISO.com and watch all of them right now. They also have bajillion dollar properties. It's like Reno 911 meets million dollar listings. It's a semi-scripted comedy about the cutthroat world of luxury real estate in LA. And it stars the very funny Paul F. Tompkins as the head honcho of a real estate firm called Platinum Realty. And satirical hilarity doesn't suit. Take my word for that. CISO is also full of amazing stand-up specials from Brian Posen, Wyatt Senak, Rory Scovel, Matt Besser, and Big J Okerson, to name a few. CISO has a ton of awesome comedy. Go to CISO.com and start your free trial today. That's right. We are giving you a month completely free. I need sports to have to clear the room. Stand up and walk now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I'm an editor at TheRinger.com and joining me in the studio, California boys, it's Andy Greenwald. I feel weird. I don't know about this. Yeah? I think I might go back. <laughs> I felt like this would be good to work out live. Um, did you, so there was no airplane movies. There was only airplane shows. Yeah, I watched shows. You, you, you just glossed over the fact that I told you I'm moving back. I just know you're not, man. You you're, when you commit, you commit. That's nice. That's nice. No one else has ever said that about me, <laughs> but I appreciate it. Um, yeah, there was a moment when I was a little dubious this morning when I was told that all my life belongings were still in New York. I thought that was a sign. But now they're going to be here. And I'm sure they're going to be all in one piece. That's right. That's right. Uh, I, I shipped them all as one unit. Andy's in California. We're now an in-person, in-studio duo. Can you feel it crackling? I love it. There's I no, love it. I kind of miss the awkward delay. I, well, I, I know, because what people wanted was more bands. <laughs> <laughs> I think what people wanted was more like crosstalk. I like not having to have the headphones on. Tate's loving it. He's got both of us in the studio now. Um, we, Andy, we're going to talk a little bit about... Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Night Of, but we're yep. going to save most of our like major ideas about the show for next week. Uh, we are going to talk about Mr. Robot and the big reveal on that yeah, show. Wh- what a week by us to take off. I know. We really dropped the ball. And then we'll talk a little bit about the two new Frank Ocean albums that have come out since Thursday. You didn't hear about the one this morning? <laughs> that's that's the good one. My shit is arriving on Thursday. <laughs> it's a yeah. good one. Yeah. But um, just, yeah. We, I should say, yeah. So sorry about the airplane movies. I watched three episodes of Animal Kingdom. And that's what we're going to talk about at the re-up. I got to tell people, I know it's a little bit Did, off are you, cycle. This isn't like a MeUndies thing, right? Like you aren't being paid to talk about. I feel like you really all of a sudden became true and a real kingdom. No, no. Here's what I want to say about that show. I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. And I think we can have a lot of fun with it. Okay. That's all. I'll check it out. I, If you're not in on it, Tate and I are going to start an Animal Kingdom podcast <laughs> called Throw Your Bike in the Back. That is a joke you will get if you watch the first three episodes of Animal Kingdom. It's also a joke Kingdom. you will get if you if you subscribe to Andy's Twitter feed. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, I can't recycle? <laughs> this is what it's going to be like in person? Do you want it? Do you want... Do you, I love this self-dap. Do you, you want it's it? my favorite move. I'm just saying... I've had a pretty rough week, so I'm just saying, like, if you want, if you want the original thoughts, <laughs> you better get someone fresh off the bench. Yeah. Um, we, we, we saw some ringer dudes; they were about to jump in here. I know take they were over excited. The watch. Kevin Clark wanted to talk about Mad Men. Now, Andy is—I'm so excited that you're out here. Do we want to have this part of our relationship exposed? I'm, I just—I'm so excited that you live here now. I think you're only saying this because you were burning me. I wasn't burning you. <laughs> you just—you just gotta like embrace. You gotta chill out. 
You're out here now. You gotta let it let it flow. Uh, how long does it take before it starts flowing? <laughs> two years. See, <laughs> yeah, it starts flowing two years in. All right, and All then right. it never stops. I'll breathe easy. I, ha- um, I had one of those uh, one of those, those those cold brews you got out here. Oh it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's coursing through me. Speaking of cold brew, yeah, your man Nas. Can we yeah. get to the bottom of one thing really quick? Yeah, cracker heroin. Oh, uh, I thought it was heroin. That's what I thought. There's a lot of team crack. I think people were just assuming that people, you know, from from media or perhaps from personal recreational use, yeah, they think they they, they equate that sort of uh, um, gear, yeah, with the ingestion of crack. I'm pretty sure it's heroin because they seem super chill afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the idea is to take the pain away, which right. I naturally associate with opioids. Right. But I I. I've never uh, recreationally ingested crack or professionally. I just think I should say that now that I'm in California. But were I to do it, uh-huh. the last place I would ever do it would be the tombs at Rikers. <laughs> I'm just trying, like, what are the top five worst places? Like, maybe locked in one of those, like, we move you pods that I've seen on the highway. <laughs> that would be pretty bad. A dog kennel would be not great. Yeah. Um... The 700 level at Veterans Stadium in 1981, that would be pretty rough. I think that would actually help that a lot. <laughs> that might help. Yeah. It wouldn't help you. It would end. You would end up in the tombs of Rikers. But anyway, I think heroin because it's, you know. It's a painkiller. And he's in pain. He's He's got long odds right now. Yeah, but his romantic prospects are looking up. So what did you think of The Kiss? Hated it. Hated it. I, big picture, I, I enjoyed this episode a lot. I thought there was a lot, lot going for it. I thought it moved. I thought it was a terrific performance by Broadway star Chip Zine as Dr. Katz. I want to see more Dr. Katz, celebrity pathologist. Oh, man. God, he loved being on the stand. He I was really, delightful. My favorite witness was drug dealing waiter, but I liked, I liked the pathologist. Drug dealing waiter did not want to give up his, his sideline. Like, he, he, was, he was feeling a little exposed up there. So you, when you're testifying under yeah. oath, you can't get in trouble. Well, I think that's why they asked him if he was... She didn't ask him oh, to say if he right. was selling. And he was like, I facilitate or yeah. Yeah, acquire things. They weren't people. there to... to more of a to, trade to, kind of thing. They weren't there to bust his balls, take his tips, if yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. But, but Dr. Katz, that guy, he's really seemed charming. But like, that's also why this show <laughs> is great. At its best, they let actors just oh, that, show up, have some fun, have these little bits where you so can imagine them. It was like two veteran character actors... Mm-hmm get five whole minutes of screen time in a show yeah and and that's like that's what makes this show special i understand that there's this tension between whether or not it is embracing or running away from law and order tropes Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and i think that uh it it's rightfully criticized for like leaning into some of those things but i i just don't think any shows like imagine if all those great character actors who have appeared on law and order sometimes in multiple roles over multiple years got five minutes of screen time to like actually tease out a little bit of a character instead of just moving the ball five yards ahead, five instead yards of ahead. doing the instead of in being interviewed by police, but, but insisting on continuing kiss. to move boxes or whatever the business they had to do in that scene. Yeah, I think the kiss was really disappointing. I feel like there are moments when you know the desire to to move things forward. I, you 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 set this up really well in the piece that you wrote for what was what's the website? Uh, Twitter.com slash Andy Greenwald. Yeah, that's yeah. the one you should subscribe to. That's where all the that's where all the bangers make their debut. It's like it's like Funkmaster Flex, like all all the street hit records. You're the inflex we trust of TV criticism. All, all the street records debut there first before we put them on the podcast. Um, no, the piece you wrote on the ringer, where you're basically like, I, I, as we're getting near the end game of the night of, I think that the people who were, I think there are people, generally people are really enjoying it, but I do think there's some people who are 
coming off the wagon a little bit, not in a crack or heroin sense, but not loving it as much. And I wonder if those are the people who aren't familiar with the just inevitable drop off that happens with British crime shows. And mm-hmm. this is the first American show that is so purely like its British counterpart, not because it's adapted from it, but for the reasons that you talked about in that piece yeah. where it feels so gripping with and emotionally maybe the broad church remake, but, uh, but, but that felt so, that it, was such like weird karaoke. It, yeah. It, it was karaoke. It didn't feel right in the way that it's completely enveloping. It's engrossing. It feels like nothing you've ever seen on TV before in terms of the detail or the emotional pain that's being inflicted on the audience and then it slowly turns into law and order or clue because it sort of has to mm-hmm. um for those of us who have watched a bunch of shows and we were answering this on uh, on your twitter feed by the way which is i believe hashtag slash armed robbery is it still <laughs> chris ryan 77 you were saying you know we'd recommend shows like Broadchurch. you said south cliff is one that you really liked happy valley yeah. i really liked as veterans of those shows the sort of plateauing of quality in yeah this, you get used to it it doesn't bug me no, no. um but I do think I do wish that they had pulled back on a couple of them. Like the obviously his Nas's father delivering the food was a little pat last week. The kiss was a bad one. Okay, I think because more importantly, it sold out Chandra. Like we don't know where the show is going. We don't know how it's going to end up. But it just seems like you, you've created this woman who was overlooked and looked down upon at her law firm. She's really risen to the occasion by all accounts, or at least by the and accounts the we've seen on show. Really, it's done a cool thing by. Everything about the first few episodes of the show makes you think that Totoro is going to be yes. Gregory Peck, and he's right. not. Unless she gets removed from the case or something because the footage of her kissing yes, her client. Yes, that, that was a tough jump to, by the way, this is all on camera. Yeah, that was a that was a rough one. But 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 the point being, like, I felt like that sold her character out in a way that maybe serviced the plot of a TV show, but not the show that we were all hoping we were watching. I think that was unfortunate. Can I make a far-fetched defense of the kiss? Yeah. Okay. The situation that they create the context around it it comes out of nowhere but i think it makes sense within the context of the episode in the sense that I, it's a little bit hackney but she breaks up with her boyfriend the episode before so there's like a degree to which you feel like she's romantically unmoored that's one thing right she's she's she broke up the boyfriend is giving everything to the kids sure right has and and her life is kind of quasi on the line too because like she goes and visits the the hearse driver who is the zodiac killer and they <laughs> right. talk about stuff like that um and then if she sees his mom walk out on him in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. And then, so she's seeing him being basically abandoned by everything that matters to him and not having that much of a reason to go on, you know? And they are in this small cell, which in and of itself is like a symbol of the intense quarters that a lawyer and a client probably often find themselves in emotionally. Mm-hmm. And he's got his life in her hands. And I guess that's my defense, basically, that like the, the, the stakes were so high and the emotions were so raised that that was her way of saying, the, like, it's going to be OK. This is how it was definitely discussed. I don't know if there was sure. a room or if it was just. So you don't think and Richard Price. Price and Steve Zaylin were like, and then she kisses him, bro. And then high fives. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then drained their margarita <laughs> Budweiser's. Um, no, I mean, I, but the, everything you're saying, I think, is valid. I just don't think the show had room for that. Yeah, right. There's no room for it. I mean, one of the points that you made in that piece that I keep referring to is that you run out of real estate for what you want to do. The first three episodes that are probably going to go down, first three, four, we're going to like them more no matter how it, yes. it, it ends because asking questions is often more satisfying on TV than answering them. Um, th- those they used a lot of real estate to establish the tone, the yeah. tone, it's, the possibilities of, and we see the limits of Turturro's life and what this sort of work has done to him and physically to his body. Um, there was no room for that to happen with Chandra. So in shorthand, it just kind of seems 
there are better ways to communicate how a, I think an attorney can become too caught up in his or her work than have the one female attorney make out with the dude who has Sinbad tattooed on his knuckles and smells like heroin. The uh, the last sequence of the show, the cross-cutting between Box's retirement and the uh, jail, the Rikers assassination yeah. that they pull off, uh, was very disturbing, but also like incredible filmmaking i don't know that piece of music that they use i'd love to know i don't know whether that's an original composition but i was very struck by like the music choice the music and the whole thing jeff russo who, yeah. who does the music for fargo like did the music for this and I think it's so i bet, bet then i i would guess that's him at the end that's it was incredible music and i thought it was just like the the ambiguity of what box is thinking looking at his golf clubs but mm-hmm. also thinking about what has happened over that day and then seeing Nas so complicit in a murder yeah and so and 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 fine with it not even being an accessory being like the co-writer let's of, go get this dude. exactly and the and the whole thing with the um what's it called the asthma thing vape ventilizer yeah the um inhaler that was that was great yeah the, the, the just Bill Camp has been so good on this show. His performance when he's when he's up there on the stand, the sort of the contempt that he has for the situation that he's put himself in, but that he can't. Just so he knows what, what he do you did. think he's thinking? Is like they do the from behind the back shot, and he's about to walk into the bar. You know what I mean? Like that. That is to me the real mystery. Like I am very much wrapped up in whether he did it and whether he'll get off and what what will happen in yeah. the next hour or ninety minutes that they ha- they are going to do next. But the real. The, the mysteries for me are the things like like box standing outside the the like what is stone thinking when he's walking through chinatown like that's the kind of stuff that really fascinates me 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 too and so i wonder then we both are liking the shows for the same reasons and we are almost less interested in the whodunit part next week's episode this week's finale mm-hmm. is extra long i don't know how long it is 95 but, i think wow uh not sure but i th- i thought it might be yeah so it's supersized episode um it's going to resolve what happened to some degree. Uh, Two-part question. Answer it in whatever way you like. Sure. What do you think is the most likely outcome of the show as we've been watching it? And is there any version of it that you will find satisfying? Now, when I say that, obviously we like this show. And that's not going to change. But do you think there's an ending that you will feel satisfied that was deserving of everything that came before? I'm starting to wonder whether it is Nas did it, but will get off. I was wondering that today too. Um, I think that it's not because all of a sudden they're like awakening the killer inside him in jail. I think it's that he, they have been making a big deal since he started using to his little flashback memories. Yeah, there's something there that hasn't been uncovered. Um, and yeah, like what? so the the fact that they are sticking with they never say this is what happened to him. He took ketamine, stumbled downstairs, passed yeah. out for a little while, and when he woke up, it's like it's still ambiguous as to what happens in that lost time. What? But I think that something, whether it's a technicality, whether she he, they get off on the yeah, what movie is that? Like the Usual Suspects ending? What is the what is the comp ending? I mean, it would be Prime he, Suspect would be the like who's real Nas, but right. I think the real Nas is a kid who just was bullied and had a couple so of bad reactions. You're saying Nas is like. A kid who was bullied. <laughs> I'm saying Nostradamus could have told uh, us this. Um, what do you think the likely ending will be? I, I do think we're being pushed in that direction because we're we're sort of running out of, of red herrings. And although, the red herrings although, are pretty red. Although Dwayne Reed is still in the wind and sure located is. on literally every street corner I like that Dennis Box was, was speaking for all yeah. television viewers. <laughs> Just, like Just this, being like, are you kidding me? This is not as clever as anyone <laughs> thinks it is. 
do you, do you think do you wonder if like if maybe like the last the last day when like they were in there before they went to like the red script from the blue script or whatever like price went in and just rewrote all of boxes himself <laughs> like he picked up the last the latest version and like Zaylin had put in all the Dwayne Reed jokes and he was yeah. just like are you kidding me with this <laughs> detective richard price um yeah i i i i think i think that's where we're headed i mean the fact that we don't know is pretty good it's cool yeah um I, I I also think it's just going to be a neat trick to try and pull off, and these British shows have often stumbled up against this, which is the real ending of the show is kind of already written, which is this family's life is wrecked. Yeah, there is their, no their livelihood is destroyed. Yeah. Their family is pretty much destroyed. The mother is sitting around wondering whether she raised a murderer. The, 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 his brother's kicked out of school. Nas now has a drug problem, and they, uh, they pawned the silver. Some very you know some uh, hand tats that'll make it difficult for him to work in hand modeling. Yeah, which is unfortunate because um, they were beautiful before. Yeah. Uh, he's ripped though on the he plus side, ripped. and he's got a and he's got a cute lawyer girlfriend. Yeah, Things so are actually everything's out. looking up for yeah. him, and at least he doesn't have eczema. Okay, uh, let's take a quick break for some words from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Want to tell you a little bit about one of our sponsors today, Me Undies. Whether you're wearing a suit or sweats, you spend almost 24 hours a day in your underwear. But instead of making a statement like Superman's tights under his everyday clothes, your underwear is probably boring. Me Undies is here to change that. Every pair of Me Undies is made from sustainably sourced modal, a fabric that's twice as soft as cotton. Nothing can describe the fit and feel of Me Undies, but once you try them on, you'll understand why they're called the world's most comfortable underwear. And if you don't love your first pair of MeUndies, they are free, no questions asked. MeUndies has dozens of styles and limited edition prints to help you make a statement with your underwear, whether anyone can see them or not, just like Superman. Shipping is free in US and Canada, and you can save up to $8 a pair with the MeUndies subscription plan. Get the subscription or a single pair, but you still get 20% off your first order when you go to MeUndies.com watch. That's MeUndies.com watch for 20% off your first order. MeUndies.com W-A-T-C-H. Also want to tell you a little bit about Black Tux. Do you have a wedding or a special event coming up that you need a tux for right now? Well, don't panic. The Black Tux designs modern fit suit and tuxedo rentals that deliver straight to your door. And now the Black Tux will give you a free home try-on so you can see the fit and feel the quality of their suits before your event. That is essential. The best part, you can do it all online. Head to theblacktux.com to create your look or choose a complete outfit package. And prices start at just $95. The suits are designed with fine Italian wool, the highest quality on the rental market, and their expert customer service team is always available to answer questions. Your outfit will arrive a full week before your event, and that leaves plenty of time to try it on. If the fit needs to be dialed in, the Black Tux will fix any problems again before your event. You always want to have this happen before the event. When your event is over, you just drop it back in your rental box, send it in the mail. Shipping is always free, both ways from delivery to return. Visit theblacktux.com slash BSPN and experience a new way to rent. That's theblacktux.com slash BSPN. Okay, man. Let's talk about actually, it's prison. Yeah. Let's talk about Mr. Robot. Wow. So. Yeah. Yeah. You go first. Some stuff happened. Yeah. I I don't know what you think. And the reason I'm saying you go first is not... I just want to, I want to, without being biased, I want to hear what you have to say so that I can be like, let me just play devil's advocate. I want to work through this with you because I still don't know what I think. Yeah, me neither. I I watched the episode and, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't watch it live. I watched it the next morning. So did you know? I had gotten enough tweets from our friendly, loyal listeners to suggest that something had come, something had happened, perhaps something we had predicted and others certainly had predicted before us. But so, you had been, adamant. it can't be that. Yeah. Well, I had not wanted it to be that. Okay. And I, I still never wanted it to be that. 
here's here's where I am a little bit on the fence. I I, I want I think people should read. I'm sure a lot of people did. Sam Esmail did a Q and A with Alan Sepinwall the next day mm-hmm. on Hitfix uh, on Hitfix, where that he talked about his decision making and what what had just been revealed. And one of the things that's interesting about this auteur driven era of TV is you can't pass the buck. You know, this isn't this wasn't a storyline that got muddled in the room or wasn't directed correctly on set or whatever. Yes, he did all of it. He you know he certainly had a hand in every script and he directed every scene. So he's a remarkably, not only is he taking responsibility for all the artistic choices, he's a remarkably good advocate for those choices that he's made. So when I was reading this interview, one thing that I appreciated was, and it's the same tack he took last year with the Christian Slater being his father thing. He doesn't want to, quote unquote, trick the audience. Yes. He wants it to feel almost, by the time it's revealed, he wants it to feel almost inevitable and obvious. because, And I think that's a very smart reading of how to not play with, I'm, listen to the words I'm using, to play with audiences. I think it's a very smart reading on how to interact with audiences, especially rabid, obsessive, 2016 OCD fan audiences. Um, so I think that that was actually interestingly done. And when you think about it that way, that it was always supposed to feel a little bit off and supposed to feel like that. The way that it was revealed where, um, you know, Gloria Rubin's character, the therapist is like, wait, where do you think, where do you think we are? I thought that was haunting, and it was brilliantly directed, as always, with the reveals of where he actually was. Yeah, and I thought, actually, the way that that was handled, where Elliot doesn't have, like, a complete breakdown. He's like, no, I know. I, I know. know, like, I had to do this to, like, get through it. And I didn't And I didn't trust you, meaning us, the person he's always talking to, the viewer, because we've been holding well, back on him. Well, that was, like, kind of, like, that's who we're talking about. I, I, well, I still don't, I assume that. But I think that if you also go backwards... Because um, in that same interview, Sam mentions that yeah. you... And I thought from reading that interview that there might be another layer to that. There like that might there be. might be a you that he is telling this to, like it's almost a storytelling device that he is talking to I, somebody. About. I, I I think that there is a little bit more to it than that, rather than this like fourth wall connection. I think probably there is, but I I, I think that there, but the so the, so I think that he's he's argued that very persuasively, and I think it's interesting to consider it from that perspective. Um, I think. There are two problems here. I'm going to try and try and articulate this. One, one of the reasons why the first season worked so well, and because and in many ways felt like a magic trick, is because no TV show has ever successfully told a long form story from the perspective buried deep in the head of an untrustworthy narrator. Mm-hmm. You can maybe do that for a movie. You can't do that for a series of television. And the fact that he could do it for a season was amazing. We're now at this point where the show is going to run multiple seasons. We don't know how many. Three. It's definitely three. You know, I'm sure the network wants more, uh, even despite the falling ratings. And so now we have this almost impossible balance where all of the scenes with Elliot exist inside of his head and are thus suspect. Sure. But the show is now 50-50, or maybe that's not even correct. This is what we were talking about earlier. The supporting characters. And their adventures are sensibly, well, A, it's a very different show, physically and narratively. B, that's I guess real, and Elliot's isn't real, and the big, but the biggest. So just balancing it at all is tough, and I'm impressed how far he's gotten with it. But the bigger problem in this season so far is that their story is more interesting and more compelling than the one that's been in his head. Yeah, I think that that is an unforced error. I don't even know if I want to call it. It's a, it's a, it's a problem that the show could not have predicted. And we talked about this when it first came back, which was that when part of the thing that Mr. Robot had going for it was the element of surprise. Nobody knew Rami Malek was Christian Slater. was like, oh, Christian Slater's on a show. Mm-hmm. It's like, all these things. It was on USA. Everything about it was a surprise, surprise, surprise. Sam was a surprise. Mm-hmm. And then this year, there was a ton of expectations. 
just killed a fly. Um, <laughs> this year, there was a ton of expectations. There's also a different world that it comes into, right? And we've talked about this for a couple of different satirical shows. Even I think Veep was incredible this year, but Veep hardly seemed out of the question right. in this year. you know. And so in the world that we live in now, I think that that has been as much a obstacle for the show as whether or not it's taking place inside of Elliot's head. Because I think that it had its same interiority to the first season, but the exteriority made sense. Like you mm-hmm. were like, yes, I understand. There are these hackers. They're going to Brooklyn into Coney well, you Island. Knew, you knew what they were doing. Yeah, it, it, there was it, a like, mission. I had a map in my head of yeah. what was happening. And now I think the map is always being torn up and maybe taped back together. And exactly what you're saying, there are other POV characters now. So what do you do when these other POV characters are existing in a visually similar world to Elliot that is different? Also... The goal of the first season was contained within our main characters. They needed to accomplish things. We knew what they were trying to accomplish. What was happening in the margins, we didn't know. We didn't even know Philip Price at all until midway through the season. We didn't know what Tyrell's Tyrell's plan was, but he was the wild card. It's almost as if this entire season is from a Tyrell-like perspective because the what's what's actually going on quote unquote is now off screen mm-hmm. we don't know we don't know what whose side anyone is on or what the end game is or yeah. what the big picture is we know the stuff about the e-coin and that came back again this week so the idea maybe that they're trying to wreck the economy in order to have the only economy basically have the only economy yeah. right but i think that the other the other concern i have it's interesting this whole thing has been fascinating because at the end of the first season when i spoke to sam on the podcast and then you and i obviously broke down the the whole season one of the things that gave me the most confidence about the show going forward into multiple seasons was that sam was adamant about the fact that for him mr robot was not about the gotcha moments or the tricks or the surprises it was about the family struggle and the origins of elliot and who he was who he is what happened the origins of f society the emotional story and i feel like that's always better storytelling to focus on what's interesting emotionally and then let the let the other stuff fall as it may the concern I have about this season, and I think everyone would agree, and I look forward to asking Sam about this, I think that he spent too much time before this reveal. Yeah. The episodes already were a little bit too long, but this this took too long to get to this point. Um, my concern is, what if the thing that, that interests Sam most isn't the most interesting thing on the screen? What if the internal struggle of Elliot isn't as compelling as he wants it to be or we might want it to be? And in fact, the hacking stuff... And the global stuff is more interesting. Or that stuff, yeah. I, I think that the problem the the problem with the hand that he has played is that what if the character of Dom's mm-hmm. in, in men, interior struggle is actually it's more relatable than Elliot's for sure. Yeah, you which is I mean? which is again that's why she's there exactly. And that I, character has been developed really well. Yeah, and really interesting. And now I care about her. And so all these things on the margins. I mean, I cannot say this enough. Like, Angela is the, to my mind, other than Dom, is the most interesting character on the show. Portia Doubleday is killing it, and her anguish and the the vise that she is caught in at this moment is more compelling to me than the the vise that Elliot is caught in because we don't we don't really know why or what it is. So Sam said something really cool in this Seppenwell interview that people should check out where. He's talking about how after he had kind of gotten through, I don't know whether it was the writing or the shooting process, um, I can't remember, but that he realized that subconsciously 
he had internalized a lot of the lessons that he had learned from things like Empire Strikes Back and yeah. Godfather 2. That at the end of these first parts of a trilogy or of a series of films, you usually have a triumph. But then the second film deals with the aftermath of that triumph. So in Star Wars, it's mm -hmm. like the rebellion wins, but did they really? You know, and then in uh, Godfather, it's like Michael takes over the family, yep. but what does that entail now? In all those, in those films, and traditionally in in these sort of second parts, there's a betrayal. Mm -hmm. There's a Fredo. There is a Lando. Darth. You know what I mean? You find out that Darth is essentially an act of betrayal. Um, yeah, Lando. Thanks, man. Yeah, it, it sounds like Fredo. I mean, Lando gets back into the good graces of everybody. Don't spoil the third movie. <laughs> Nobody knows that. Um, who's the? What if, what if you just stop watching Star Wars after Empire Strikes Back? Like, um... And you're like greatest villain of all time, Lando Calrissian. <laughs> Stab that dude in the back, froze him like a fucking ice cube. Yeah, exactly. Um, what do you think? If you had to say that there's somebody of of Angela, Darlene, Mr. Robot, who is the is it Wellick's wife? Who is like the Darth? Who is the Fredo? Who is the because I think what this show could use and I think where it's going is that these characters can't stay in all these places. No, it, it's I don't know the answer to that. I, I would is guess it it's, I would guess it's Angela in some ways because yeah. that the friction between those characters is building even though they haven't really shared the screen that much. The but the 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 idea that you're 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 playing around here with is is especially interesting in the context of of how we watch tv because sam's obviously you know he he likes he, he started as a filmmaker making movies first and foremost even though he's speaking about it suggests a kind of retreat in the second part mm -hmm. you know from the highs of the first part and it, it making it about suffering and making it difficult and you know i'll, I'll refer again to what our friend Sean Fantasy wrote on The Ringer last week, which I thought was really interesting, where he's basically saying the show is almost intentionally unlikable at this moment, and he finds that fascinating. The 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 and I'm not even I'm not even going to say he's doing this because we don't know, but theoretically, if Sam knew what he was doing and was intentionally pulling back in season two, um, is that a card that he's allowed to even play? Yeah, because TV. Is for as much as it's like movies, and as much as you know, or as much as it's replaced movies in the conversation, and it's treated artistically as a as a peer, or even as a better than movies these days, um, it still has to. There's the sense that it has to build. What have you have? What have you done for me lately? Mm -hmm. What's next? Get better. Get better. Get better. Get better. Um, and certainly from a business perspective, I mean, the ratings are a little bit. They're down by like fifty percent, and nobody wants that. Right. You know, um, USA doesn't want that even if it that's the artistic choice he's making to pull back. And obviously they support him because the show just got renewed in the midst of this particular moment. Yeah. But, th but that is a pretty interesting choice if that really is the choice he's making. He's certainly taking all the time he needs. And I say that without judgment because we've said it with judgment before. Um, but I, I wonder, and we'll, hopefully we'll have the chance to talk to him about this and, and uh, you know, in the weeks to come as things are revealed because obviously now we're set up. The one question that wasn't answered well, many questions, but one of the questions that wasn't answered from last season is who is at the door. I think it's pretty safe to assume now it was Detective Box ready, <laughs> ready to just, you know, send him upstate. Yeah. Um, so, so immediately, I would assume we're going to find that out next week that we're going to piece those pieces back together, and maybe we're off to the races again. And maybe when the five seasons are done, we'll look at this as a challenging time that fit this puzzle piece into the bigger puzzle. But TV still gets made week to week, even though they made this like a ten-hour movie. We still have to digest it week to week, and yeah. I think it stumbled. It's. I think it. I think it definitely stumbled by that metric. Um, I hope that when Sam comes in, we can ask him the most important question. 
about the pickup basketball. What about Lando, though? What about Lando, though? A <laughs> um, couple other things, though, with this week's episode. I mean, even in the midst of it, like the uh, Leon just going full full stabby. Yeah, Joey the, going full badass. That was, I was. I mean, that was exciting. That yeah. was a crazy, unexpected scene that that absolutely, was, you know, was. Are you, are you killing the flag? This is, we're basically reliving a classic episode of Breaking Bad in the studio this right now. Weird. Except you just killed it. <laughs> yeah. Um, one other thing I want to note. It's kind of interesting. We are now over halfway through this second season. One of the main characters of the first season, Tyrell Wellick, has essentially not appeared on the show. And according to this, Mr. Robot is dead. This is something that I'm really fascinated to see how this plays out. Because if, you, if this is a show where the... You know, he does some outlandish things, but basically tries to keep it 100 in terms of the things that have to happen for the story. He should be dead. Mm -hmm. Everything was set up for him to be dead. They had the Chekhov's popcorn machine. We have we haven't seen him since. He is the most wanted man in the world. They had, you know, the president of the United States saying his name. Yeah. I don't know how you bring him back to cheers, like as if he'd been away for a while. You know what I mean? It's not this isn't a sitcom. This can't just be a TV show at this point. Yeah. Yeah. but that's a pretty bold move, considering he was one of the main characters of the show. So obviously we'll, we will see him again in some form because the actor was on set and to do those dream sequences and stuff, mm-hmm. even if that's the only way he is. But and that, to call up and say bonjour. And to say oh, bonsoir. Oh, bonsoir. Yeah, yeah. That, that means good evening in French. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I, what what do you... Th- it, it's, it's, it's fascinating. It's dense. That's, it's just we're really dense in it right now. And... I think people are waiting for that next big thing to happen, and I wouldn't put it past a next big thing happening. But I think that my 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 you're talking about Wellick. I am still thinking that maybe there's another shooter drop with the Mister Robot Slater character. Yeah, I would think so too. So because we started out and it was, um, you know, a person that. You know, it was like was that Elliot thinks is there. Yeah. You know that he thinks is shoving him off a railing, and then it becomes revealed that it's actually his father. And then, but it's it, not. It, but he's not there. But at he's all. not there at all. And then for this most of the season, it's been talked about. He's like, I am part of your consciousness that you've tried to suppress, and I'm yeah. here to help you. And I like f- fix things. I, I basically like get you through traumatic events and try to like do this and that. And I don't want to be at war with you. You have to let me and all this stuff. Something about the world of this show makes me feel like he is a computer program. That's interesting. I don't know how that would be. I don't know how that would be either, but there's something about him not being a altogether friendly I, actor in his well, mind that makes me feel like there's something else to that character. I, I want something else to drop on that too because I realize one of the things I'm bumping up against is even if I'm going on the journey to accept that this dynamic between father and son is the emotional core of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tough to accept that when it's not his father. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the moments, some of the scenes that Christian Slater and Rami Malek have had in the last few weeks have been among the best scenes they've had together in the run of the series. You know, when, when he collapsed into his arms for the hug, like mm-hmm. when he was just beat to hell, that, that accomplished what it ought to have accomplished emotionally. It's, it might be what, the emotional what, high point of the series. But what stings is that it's not him. So that makes it, it, it undercuts it in a way that's interesting and sad. Yeah. But ultimately, all these father-son moments are not father-son moments. And we're getting some in flashbacks, although I don't even know if we can trust those. So, But I, maybe I, the show is saying, are they not? 
If your brain thinks they are, are they not? Maybe the maybe the, this maybe the thing that we're we're right. That's a great point. But I think maybe the thing that we're actually talking about here, just to go back to the beginning of our conversation, is that we miss we miss having a protagonist. You know, it's it's maybe it's as simple as that. Elliot's been in a different show. Yeah. Elliot has been it's been the Elliot show and then everything else show. Yeah. That's pretty. That was pretty ballsy. And I think um, we've, we're coming to the end of it one way or another. But what was truly exciting about the first season was that we were in this place where we didn't trust him and it was, un, you know, and, and, and we were disoriented and we were destabilized and we, and we didn't know which way it was up. But we knew, we knew who we were with on the balance beam, basically. Mm-hmm. And this season, we're not really, I mean, we're, we're certainly stuck with him, but, yeah. but we're, not, we're not taking those steps forward out onto the, I said balance beam, I meant tightrope, tightrope. Out onto the tightrope. And and also the diving board. And the plank. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Pommel Horse. Pommel horse. Um, okay, well, we will try to talk about the next episode of uh, Mr. Robot later this week when we re-up. Yep. Can I also just say, before we move on to our last topic, yeah, man. TV's about to get really, really good. Because not only is well, we have Robot, we have the Night of finale. My show, Halt and Catch Fire, love that show, is coming back this week. They, they sneak previewed. Do I have to preview? watch the first season to get into it? No. Watch the second season. I just read I, that, that was a, that's an Twitter dot com slash Andy Greenwald. Right? Oh, I, I I'm not familiar <laughs> with it. Only only original bangers here. But uh, no, I mean I... The, <laughs> the third season starts this week. I think it's outstanding. We've also got You're the Worst coming back next week. The first few episodes outstanding, and then the show I'm so excited to talk to you about Atlanta is coming in September. I love that pilot. I've only watched the pilot. I love it. It's so good. So there's a lot of great TV coming up. Hopefully we'll talk Halt. Uh, Halt and, and Animal Kingdom this week. Yeah. Yeah. Put your bike in the back. Tate loves Animal Kingdom. Tate, I think Tate, the, do you actually love Animal I think, Kingdom? I think, I think the truth is Tate doesn't think it's a real show. <laughs> I think Tate thinks I'm just making it up. Um, what about Sean Hattosey, though? How do you say it? Hattosey. about Barkin, though? Have you ever tried to say his name out loud? No. He is... Uh, a big Boston sports fan, so I think he's like a fan of Bills. Interesting. Yeah. He he makes his presence felt on the show, Animal Kingdom. All right. Uh, <laughs> Let's talk take... about Frank Ocean real quick, because yeah. only he only spent four years making two albums at least that came out in let's give him the respect he deserves let's give him 120 (laughs) seconds let's give him five minutes at the end of a podcast thanks for your contribution frank no man uh so frank ocean long delay not long long hiatus in between channel orange Mm -hmm. and uh the two albums we got this week after several delays a live stream that was being broadcast via apple music where he was building something in a in a workshop somewhere thursday night he pops up, he's building a staircase, and the album Endless begins playing, which is released as a visual album yeah. um, that you can listen to. And watch. Yes. So Saturday afternoon, people start tweeting that there is a magazine with an album inside of it mm-hmm. at a couple of pop-up shops. And then pretty quickly after that, Blonde gets released to uh, Apple Music. So now we have a lot of uh, Frank Ocean to listen to. A lot of content. This moment reminds me a lot of when Radiohead released Kid A. In 2000. Yeah, where you are coming off of an incredible critical success. Yeah. Um, You've created a legion of really, really passionate fans. And then you kind of like go inwards mm-hmm. you know not not like elliot mr robot oh. it's, it's battle the interior so it doesn't have to be connected but I appreciate um that. Well, not unlike uh ellen barkett on animal kingdom <laughs> tnt's wednesdays uh 
I don't know where how I feel about this. This is part of the problem. I don't mind the surprise drop. I find the circus kind of fun now. Like it is, it is what it is. But it does make my thoughts about stuff a little jumbled. I think I feel jumbled as well. But I also think this much new content in this little time to discuss it, I think it would be weirder to be like, yeah. this is bad. This is good. It's going to be what it's going to be. We're going to spend time with it. I think there's some obviously some great songs on it and obviously some parts that aren't. I guess what I'm saying yet. is I can't even separate the album from the event right now. Here, here's the here's the thing that I wanted to, to discuss with you. I think that what we are seeing now in a subtle way is the takeover of fan culture or geek culture in music. Here's what I mean by that. We, we, we often talk, and we're not the only ones to do this, we talk about, with, with, with great dismay, we talk about how the, the middle ground adult film has mm-hmm. vanished from the multiplex. Yeah. There is, you know, so that's why when, um, like when Steve Jobs comes out and it's good, we are excited. Or like when, it's almost like when Focus came out and there wasn't a superhero yeah, yet. I was, were like, I, I was hoping it was good. Yeah, it really yeah. wasn't. Yeah. But it was, it was trying to aim, it was trying to hit some mainstream uh, beats, basically. Yeah. Um, all we want of just from being, life is out of sight. Instead of yeah, all we want is that. But instead, you know, we get three and a half hour movies. Like we get, um, you know, like like a like a Captain America movie where an hour and a half of it is really enjoyable, an hour of it is punching, and then half hour of it is setting up other sequels. And it's just it's very 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 mm-hmm. very very busy. The thing that I was that's what I was thinking about when he released all of this stuff because what he's doing is satisfying people who are desirous and have time to engage with a ton of stuff there doesn't seem to be anything in this outlay of content that is in any way pitched at i mean and i don't know if it should be but i'm just setting this up pitched at um pop radio or pitched at a casual fan there is no version of his five years of making music that is like okay, but what are the 10 best songs in order that I could listen to and really understand where this guy is and what he's doing right now? He's put out everything he's been doing, and who knows, there might be more. I'm sure there is more. There might be more to come. Um, that is satisfying a very contemporary kind of, of music fan, super fan, but I worry that it's leaving. I worry. I'm not concerned trolling this. It doesn't matter. Right. Some of this is really good, but it, it doesn't conform to a way that you and I, even though we, we try to be nimble, it, it doesn't conform to the way we often I think it's just we things. were brought... We just are are raised in a different like with a different relationship to album releases for one thing and two yes. the narrative behind they worked on this for a while here it is now they'll tour then they will work on something else it's it isn't that and that's great here here's my here's my number one thing it, it's interesting that you you you're saying it. it's part of the rise of something very contemporary because part of it very much feels like a throwback. Because part of it, and I know that some people have written, I think Caramonica may have mentioned this in his piece, which is this sort of like, this is the triumph of, of the Tumblr aesthetic. Mm-hmm. There's like a jumble of images and quotes and all this other stuff. Yeah, and, I think that's smart. You know, um, and it's fucking hilarious that I consider like Tumblr aesthetic to be vintage at this point. Right. Uh, and you can shoot me in the back of the head when we walk out of the podcast studio. But that is true. And, you know, I looked at, God help me, screenshots of his zine. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, basically, I'm sure it's great and I haven't had a chance to hold it and really dig into it, but it felt a lot like the early 2000s issues of Vice that you would sort of page through at Kim's, you mm-hmm. know, like that was, and there's a certain early to mid 2000s aesthetic to a lot of it. The music, and I will say this for him, and I, and not even I will say this for him because I, this is what I love about Frank, is it could only be made by him. 
Yeah. When, that, when, and it is it is uniquely and like his music is signature. Like I can't imagine anyone else making this music. There are moments on, on Nike's on solo. And by the way, the return of Andre 3000 on just his own yes. track is just a beautiful moment. Um, or, or slide, you know, like slide on, on endless. It's just I, you know, like nobody else. When, is making when, music when like he this. just he he can just it almost feels accidental. And and maybe it, it's in keeping with the aesthetic of the whole release where it's like, maybe he'll do it. Maybe he won't. It's almost hesitant. But when he stumbles into this greatness where he just basically is tripping over everything that is alive in the music and in him and he's he's rapping but he's not really and he's playing but he's serious and he's flirtatious but he's sexy but he's also laughing like he he somehow finds this vibe and i I keep wanting to say the word light because it does feel like he's very light on his feet in those moments Mm -hmm. you know when he just says there's a line in nike's where he says something about trayvon he looked just like me and then he dances somewhere else and he's yeah everything is magic hour everything is dissolving into the night like before you even get an idea of what it was that's when he's at his best i think it's 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 challenging to be at that to to be consistently in that moment for 17 tracks or across multiple zines or whatever. I, I think you, you jokingly compared it to Mr. Robot a minute ago, but I actually, I, I, I think it's valid in some ways. Someone tweeted at me um, yesterday saying like, Burn Notice got double the ratings of Mr. Robot. Why does Mr. Robot get renewed and Burn Notice is no longer on the air? Um, first of all, I feel like there should always be a Burn Notice on the air because people love sunglasses. But... <laughs> I think the answer to that is that when Burn Notice was on TV, it was a very, very different, not just USA was different, but TV was very different. And Mr. Robot gets nominated for Emmys and is liked by, quote unquote, the right people, the people who drive conversations or who tweet about stuff. Um, And, you know, they can sell that to advertisers and USA can rebrand itself with a younger audience and and blah, blah, blah. So it's, it's not more popular, but it's more fiercely beloved. Yeah. And... I, that made me think of Frank Ocean. We, we we were saying that you know that Sam in many ways has they gave him a lot and he took as he should he took everything that was given to him in terms of creative freedom and maybe it was too long and maybe he took too long to do these various reveals in the show, but that was his choice and that was the power he was given and that's what the marketplace allows right now and I I do think that's sort of the way I feel about the Frank Ocean record. There are moments of brilliance, there are too many moments probably. But that is the way people connect with music, or that is how music connects with people right now. You give them everything, and you let them sort but it But that's out. what you're... I think that that's maybe what you're reacting... Not negatively. If Andy and I aren't talking about the records themselves, it's because we're still processing them. And we yeah. could sit here and talk about, like, like his obsession with cars and how amazing that is, and, like, the, the detail. I mean, I think Frank might be my favorite lyricist working right now. Interesting. It's like just because so much of it is like these John Ashbery lines that drift off and then never resolve and details and conversations that are like snipped and put into different things. But one of the things I think we associate with somebody who works in and I, you know, I'm sure that he would say these are not fucking sketch sketches. These are paintings. But one of the things I think we associate with someone who will make it one tracks one minute, one tracks six mm-hmm. minutes. And here's a song that has a voicemail and then it kind of doesn't end that's like a Prince Vault thing or a Ryan Adams three records a year or Guided by Voices three records a year or someone who has like a much like more immediate, yeah. faster production line that you are like, OK, I take it all in whole over the course of X amount of months or years. Yeah. And then you build the like 50 song Ryan Adams playlist. and You're like, that's Ryan Adams. But with Frank, it's like there's just rumors and then you get 
one thing that's you know people had to basically like bootleg to chop up into tracks and another thing that we're still it's so gauzy and we're trying to get our heads around it's not like oh there's a frank ocean album every nine months i I just noticed there's a there's there's a conversation that we have often now on our show when when major artists release records where I, I can there's no more get off my lawn thing than i will ever say which is basically when i'm whether i say it directly or i try to like dance around it where i'm like show me the hits and you mentioned but that's a, that's the but, same thing but, we talk but, about with tv where you're just like i don't have time to wait for you to get good yeah or i mean you know it's like you could you know like like picasso could paint a still life before he painted something before he painted guernica yeah. right but and, don't you think and, 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 oranges and, and, is still life and radiohead did yeah. creep before they did and they had let down before but is it they thinking did about you is still life though i i don't know i mean i don't i wanted more of I wanted not four years between records. I wanted yeah. to see the progress. Right. I wanted to see him right. make the hits before I, he I retreated. And but we, you know, we've talked about this with like with Kendrick Lamar too. And in the, the thing that he does, where he makes he gives the pop hits to other people or makes appearances, but then his records are very introspective and thinky. The real, I think, at this this moment, that the true geniuses are the ones who make their own music to their own, to their you know to their own muse, and then move the culture in that direction. Then through sheer force of will or talent or stubbornness bend the whole culture so if the more time we spend with this record and the more time other people making music spend with this record and it influences them then i will be very excited to be proven completely wrong in this first day okay well I which, which i haven't said it's bad i, I just I, I just don't know i don't yeah it's that's what happens when we records don't know we don't know man we it could all be happening inside our head we don't know though <laughs> <laughs> what about ocean dough all right, uh, we'll be back this week or later this solo week. Solo Maybe Thursday, perhaps. I think Thursday is going to be a tough Thursday, one. Friday? Thursday, I... Friday-ish, talk Animal Kingdom, Halt, and Catch Fire on the, last, the most recent episode of Mr. Robot. But here's the thing. We can just do it. Anytime now, right? you want, man. I'm available. We can just roll here. I think <laughs> T- Tate is kind of in an orange jumpsuit Tate, right Tate now. Tate is always available. All right. Tate thinks he's staying at his mother's house. Give but me a he... live. Great job, Baranski. Great job, Baranski! want to say thanks to our sponsor, CISO, brought to you by Take My Wife, exclusively on CISO. Yep, that's right, S-E-E-S-O.com. It's ad-free streaming comedy with new originals, quotable classics, late night, and stand-up specials. Take My Wife stars real-life comedians and real-life wives, Carmen Esposito and Rhea Butcher, both of whom you may know know from their stand-up podcast, Put Your Hands Together, and from both being fast-rising stars in comedy. Take My Wife shows what it's actually like being a comic times two. It touches on and takes apart all the generalizations about what it's like to be a woman in comedy without any of the sanctimonious bullshit. Go to CISO.com and use promo code TAKEMYWIFE and get two months free. 